everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates, and I am back in Martin County, Florida, the Supervisor of Elections Office, Vicki Davis. Welcome back to the program. Oh, it's my pleasure, Sam. It, we, we've had great conversations in the past, and I, I don't expect anything less out of this one. You know, I consider you one of the foremost authorities on our local and state election process. And we're going to to jump into that uh, because a lot of the things we talk about today here uh, from Martin County are applicable throughout the entire state of Florida. But before I do that, one of the reasons that you are that authority is because you've been doing this job so well for quite a number of years. Yeah, I've been in this position. This is my 18th year. And it's it's a position that I really look at as serving my community in in a capacity that is foundational for our nation. And I think the way that you phrase that foundational for our nation has integrity written all over it. And a lot of folks today, based on whatever, uh, have questioned our mm-hmm. voter integrity. Yeah. Uh, should we be worried? Um, it, in this, you know, I can't speak for the other states because elections is a decentralized process. We do have federal oversight somewhat, but our main oversight is through Florida law in the state of Florida. And, and I can speak for the state of Florida and for Martin County that all of my 66 additional supervisors of elections, we work extremely hard to make sure that we get it right. Since the election of 2000, Florida became under the spotlight, not just because of what happened in 2000 with the recount with the presidential election, but because Florida has been a swing state with electoral votes for so many years, the media can always predict how California is going to vote. They can always predict how Texas is going to vote. And for a number of years, Florida was tied with electoral votes with New York state, and they could predict how New York is going to vote. But now we're in that third place because we picked up additional an additional um, electoral vote. Um, so we're still under that spotlight because our registration in the state of Florida for voters is almost equal. Just in the last few months, the Republican registered voters have inched past uh, Democratic registered voters in the state of Florida. But then you have to factor in all of those voters that are registered with no party affiliation. We are are going to continue to be under that spotlight for, for some time to come. Is the no party affiliation one of the most rapid growing sectors? Yeah, it is. And it's not just in the state of Florida, but it is a national trend. And any reason why? Some thoughts on that? You know, I I think it's because of our younger generation coming up behind those of us that are a baby boomer, and and we know the importance of getting out to vote, and and um, we we were raised um, under a party system within our own homes, you know. But these kids, they they are independent thinkers. 
And instead of registering the way mom and dad have registered, they're electing to go no party affiliation. Uh, so that's a, a, a large chunk of, of the reason why um, we have such a high rate in no party affiliates. But then other voters are just electing not to be associated with either one of the major parties. You mentioned 2000 and what we went through as far as the voter recount. Uh, 2016, mm-hmm. we also had some intrusion by the Russians. Mm-hmm. Tell we us did. About that. Yeah, in 2016, and, you know, we were going through the primary election in, in the state of Florida. As we get closer to elections, we're having monthly calls with the Division of Elections, and all of a sudden we're starting to hear about this, you know, probing that's taking place nationally. And um, it wasn't until after the actual general election that we we found out that there was probing that took place in Illinois um, by the Russians. They were able to get into not their voting systems, but their voter registration database. And Ever since then, since the election of 2016, as of January 2017, elections came under the umbrella of the Department of Homeland Security. Elections were designated as critical infrastructure. So it's a good thing that we have uh, the Department of Homeland Security as resources. They don't oversee our election process. They're simply there as a resource to help us in the category of cybersecurity and also physical security for our election offices. That also meant some changes to physical plant Mm -hmm. for your office here, Mm -hmm. and and I'm sure all over the state. What kind of changes resulted? Well, for our office, we received a federal grant which came down through the state. All 67 supervisors in Florida were offered grant dollars. And if you were to drive up to our office, you would see black bollards up in front of the office. And if you were to go around to the east side of the building, we have a, a large generator on the side of the building, and there are bollards around around the generator. And that was one of the recommendations through a physical security um walk through by a member, uh, an agent from the Department of Homeland Security. The bollards are to protect my staff up front, to protect the front from any type of vehicle coming into the building itself, try to slow it down somewhat. Same thing with the generator. Uh, they also recommended a number of additional cameras throughout the building and on the outside of the building. We Through a federal grant, we were able to replace all of the glass, including doors, um, on our building with hardened glass for extra security measures. So, yeah, you have to think outside of just cybersecurity, which is a, a huge issue, but think physical security as well, how to protect the building, how to protect the warehouse where the equipment is stored, where ballots are stored that we're required by law, federal and state law, to maintain and retain for 22 months. You know, so all of those different uh, scenarios have to be factored in. And I would imagine that it, it was a good thing. Ultimately, mm-hmm. it was it was bad that the Russians 
for whatever reason, wanted to penetrate our voting system, our voting, uh, the, the sanctity of, of your vote, they got into some database, but uh, they were halted. And mm-hmm. some good came out of it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, every elections office in the state of Florida, and I would say even nationally, have really worked to increase firewalls, um, zero tunnels. And um, we all in the state of Florida, all 67 supervisors of elections have an Albert detection device. It's an intrusion detective device, which is monitored by the Center for Internet Security out of the state of New York. In their monitoring, they see a lot of activity from a certain IP address. We're immediately notified, and we would shut our system down. Thankfully, nothing like that has happened here in the state of Florida. But, you know, the Russians are kind of signaling even now that they have their eye on this election cycle, and especially the 2024 And I think uh, based on what is going on in Europe, the Ukraine war, the Putin war, Mm -hmm. as as, uh, many people are calling it, uh, that's going to keep everyone on their toes for, as you say, probably well into uh, the next presidential election. Oh, for sure. And and it seems that the three countries that we really have a lot of, um, that do a lot of monitoring from the three, three top countries would be Russia, China and Iran for elections. Yeah. So we've gotten a lot of that behind us now. And so mm-hmm. I, I wanted people to understand that their voting is secured, their vote is secured. Uh, let's talk about the process itself. We touched upon it in our previous episode, but we have some very important dates coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. August 23rd is the primary election. Uh, for those that do vote by mail, We are required by federal law and also then Florida law because Florida has to um, codify what what the federal government puts in place for the most part. Um, We mail our ballots to our military and overseas voters 45 days before an election, 40 days for those that live domestically within the United States. So voters... that do vote by mail, elect to vote by mail, they like to know when their ballot's going to go out. So jot down, take note, 40 days prior to an election, your ballot's going to go out in the mail. And 29 days prior to an election is the last day that someone can register as a new voter or change their party. And the party change is very important in the state of Florida because we are a closed primary state. In that vote-for-mail process, just to, to make sure our folks know it, who are listening, you have to request it. There is not a blanket mailing of ballots uh, out to anyone. You have to request to vote by mail. We've always, in the state of Florida, had to request a vote-by-mail ballot. Um, the state of Florida has never just blanket sent out ballots to every registered voter, which I think is is a really good safeguard that's in place. And I think that's important to know because we have had such an influx of people into our state mm-hmm. from other states. So that's important that they know. Two things, uh, voter registration drives mm-hmm. and seniors who may be in a facility, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be a nursing home or assisted living, 
touch on those. Yeah. Um, voter registration drives were always out in the community and my community outreach coordinator, Kiri Anderson is constantly out in the community. You know, it feels so good to be able to be back out in the community, Sam, because for two years we were not able to be out there and, and, you know, interfacing with our voters. We enjoy that process and, and, Kiri's a natural at it. Um, so we are, we have a calendar of events and where the drives are going to be held on our website at martinvotes.gov. Um, for nursing homes, uh, assisted living, ALF facilities, we do go in, Kiri goes in to those uh, facilities and registers individuals to, to vote or change their address, and or um, have them fill out a form for a vote-by-mail um, ballot. And then we do have supervised voting. She will go back in with a team of poll workers for those individuals to actually vote their ballots and, and help them through that process. This is all such a huge process. You have nine employees, mm-hmm. if I recall right. Correct. And... It could not be accomplished unless you had other people who step forward and say, I would like to be a poll worker. I would like Mm -hmm. to take part in the process in some way. How could, what are the positions and how can someone do that? Yeah. Um, we need help in the area of, of working as a poll worker through early voting for election day, which is a very long day. We kind of lose some of our voters there um, when they find out the hours, and I will let Kiri share that in a different episode. Um, And we need help at the ballot boxes, drop boxes, monitoring that process. We always hire temp staff to answer phones for us, and um, we hire temp staff. I, I hire temp staff to help us with the canvassing process because that's a whole nother process in and of itself. When we receive those vote by mail ballots back in house, we're required by Florida law to verify every signature on every ballot envelope with the signature in our database or signatures in our database. And so we need temp staff for that. But When those ballots go before the canvassing board, we need a team of individuals that one will slit the ballots open, it goes to a table, individuals will sit there and remove the ballot from the envelope, and then those ballots go to the high-speed tabulator for tabulation. And currently, for the upcoming primary, we have over 30,000 requests in the system. Yeah, already. So. It, it takes time. It takes time to run those those ballots, and it's open to the public. People can come in and watch the process, watch the tabulation process, and individuals can always come in. We are required by statute to pretest every piece of equipment that we have that's going to be deployed into the field prior to every election. Plus, we have to publicly test a number of those pieces of equipment so the public can come in during that process and watch the testing of the equipment. And and I certainly want to say for those who want to watch the process or who want to come in and be observers, I'm going to ask that uh, you put on your adult hat and (laughs) be an adult. Uh, One of my pet peeves, uh, people act like 
absolute, and I'm choosing my words very carefully, uh, they act like idiots sometimes. And uh, the other word that I wanted to use, I won't use because this isn't an adult program, but be an adult and be on your best behavior because these people are working so hard to make sure that your right to vote is sacred. Absolutely. And that is the preeminent goal um, that we work towards is making sure that the entire process is safe, it's secure, it's transparent, and reliable and credible all at the same time. Accurate, you know. I know that I asked earlier, and I'm watching that we're getting close to the wrapping up our second episode. Uh, I want to come back and talk with Carrie. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that she has an excellent story to tell. And as a matter of fact, she has that title, Storyteller. And I'm going to ask her uh, why she has that title and let her do a bit of explanation. But before we go, any additional item that we really haven't touched on that is critical that we, we should touch on? Yeah, I, I would really like to leave voters with the thought and, and the knowledge that the voting equipment is not connected to the internet. So you don't have to worry about the equipment where you cast your vote, you placed your ballot through that, that piece of voting equipment, that scanner, that it's going to be tampered with because it is not ever connected to the internet. Decentralized right down to the local yep. level. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Vicki, my sincerest thanks for being here on the program. Uh, we have gone many years without sitting face to face and now we're back and you know, it feels good. Yeah. To, to know what you're doing and that uh, you're continuing to do that wonderful job. So I look forward to having you back in the future as we get a little closer to election time, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think is probably uh, very important, I'm going to put in the request now post-election mm -hmm. so that we can do a little bit of a debrief. Oh, one, one last thought. Um, projections, I know that in the, the last presidential, uh, we had 84% turnout locally. Correct. Uh, in this area here of Martin County, some thoughts and projections for voter turnout for our Martin County residents. Yeah, yeah for Martin County, we're projecting between 36 to 40% turnout for the primary, which, please, if you're a primary voter, encourage your neighbors, encourage your family to get out and vote because many of our local elections are determined in that primary election. So it really is a very important election. Participate in it. The next one is our general election on November the 8th, and we're predicting a, a 60 to 65 percent turnout, which would be which would be a great turnout for a mid-year election term. But Sam, thank you for being in, so interested in this process and interested in getting correct information out to your listeners. It's so important. Um, we as election officials do like to to say that we are the official um, source for election information, please utilize that. I think that is so important with so much disinformation that you are the official source. And, and I have to say that I'm taking great joy in this thing called podcasting that is opening up so many doors to get information out. And if you ever need that tool, I'm here at your disposal. 
Absolutely. Yes, thank you, Sam. You're a superhero. Oh, likewise. <laughs> There's a story behind that, but we won't go into it today. <laughs> so thank you for being here. We're going to be back here at the Martin County Supervisor of Elections Office at some point in the very near future. And until that episode, I'm your gray-haired host of the Great American Senior Show, and that's the way our program ends. <laughs>